The views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the hosts and creators of this program. This is the Pet Buzz. This is the Pet Buzz. Freshly collected with news, celebrity pet gossip, and the latest pet trends. The Pet Buzz gives you the latest 411 on everything pet related. Everything pet related. Hosted by pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. And here's the Dynamic, Dynamic pet, pet Duo. Duo. Hi, I'm pet trendologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. You're listening to the Pet Buzz, the ultimate in pet talk radio. We welcome our listeners who tune in around the world each week. This week on the show, dozens of counties across Texas and Oklahoma were under the most severe tornado warnings. And even Monday after the weekend, there were twisters and torn off roofs and ripped up houses and wild power lines from the ground. More tornadoes along with damaging hail, strong wind gusts, torrential rains affected other states, according to the National Weather Service. Because the aftermath of tornadoes is full of death and destruction, you really need to prepare, especially if you have pets. So joining us in segment four, author Edie McKenzie is going to tell us how she specifically prepared her pets for such extreme weather. Toto, I've a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. Now, don't miss this. We're talking about seasonal pet allergies. Does your pet have runny eyes and itchy skin? Is he licking his paws and sneezing? Dr. Tomicia Hubbard is talking to us about treating pet allergies. If your pet is suffering from this problem, you can't miss this discussion in segment number three. Well, in Celebrity Pet Scoop, we love giving you the pet buzz about celebrities and their four-legged friends. Unfortunately, we must sadly report the death of an internet sensation. Grumpy Cat died last week, and later on the show, you're going to learn more about his rise to stardom. Also in segment two is our new favorite, Flex Facts. Dr. Fleck is going to give you his expert advice about what to do if your pet gets hit by a car. But now, let's start the show with our first guest, John Goodwin, Senior Director of the Puppy Mills Campaign at the Humane Society of the United States. Hello, John, and thanks for joining us on the Pet Buzz. Thanks for having me on. Well, you know, it's so interesting because Dr. Fleck and I, like most pet owners, are concerned about about supporting uh, a lot of your initiatives at the Humane Society of the United States, and especially... You know, especially when this horrible 100 report comes out. So can you, John, can you start a little bit by explaining to our listening audience what that report's about? Sure. So this is our seventh annual Horrible 100 report, and it's a compilation of reports on 100 different problem puppy mills around the country. And we show a lot of the common yet horrific problems that we see over and over again in puppy mills. And the information is based on inspection reports, because if you are a commercial dog breeder with at least five or more breeding female dogs and you sell through pet stores or over the Internet, sight unseen, you're supposed to have a USDA license and be inspected. And also there are some states that have a state licensing and inspection requirement as well. So we use those records. So what are some of the type of violations? Uh, in this year's Horrible 100 report, we had a number of these puppy mills where they had not cleaned up feces and urine. It accumulated a period of time. There are also a lot of untreated veterinary problems, physical injuries sometimes, 
Also, we see this with puppy mill dogs all over the place, massive dental disease. Sometimes you end up with a dog who's lower jaw and basically rotting away because the dental disease becomes so advanced. My stomach's starting to hurt as we're talking about this. Well, if you've just joined us, we're talking with John Goodwin, Senior Director of the Puppy Mills Campaign at the Humane Society of the United States. So, John, why has the USDA enforcement process been so ineffective against problem breeders and dealers? During the last two years, the USDA has adopted this new philosophy of rather than enforce the law, they will instead try to what they call work with the regulated community. They have things called teachable moments where instead of citing someone for an animal care crime or violation, they'll just say, okay, it's a teachable moment, correct that. Now, we're talking about professional dog breeding operations, some of whom have been in business 15, 20 years or even longer. The fact that someone who's been in business that long still needs to be taught something is absurd. And we've seen a decline in enforcement. There were 60% fewer citations given in 2018 and 2017 by the USDA to these puppy mills. Now, some might say, well, maybe that means there was more compliance with the law. I wish that was the case. But during the same time period, we found examples in Missouri, Pennsylvania, Nebraska, where state agents went into the exact same facilities at roughly the exact same time and found all sorts of animal neglect and cited people. Meanwhile, USDA inspectors are going into the same places at roughly the same time and saying, no, nothing's going wrong here. Everything's just fine. Really? So there's clearly something wrong at the USDA right now. I mean, they're not giving people fines. They're not sending people to jail. And is it true that some of these breeders just like dissolve their businesses and then, you know, forge a new corporation? That does happen. And that's what Laura Trump was talking about on the Tucker Carlson show. Despite all of the, the tremendous steps backwards at the USDA in regards to puppy mills, there is one good move that is, represents a few steps forward. They're considering a rule right now, and this is regulatory speak, they're considering adopting a rule, basically a change in the law that goes to their agency rather than through the Congress, that would do three primary things. First, it would stop people from just dropping their license and getting a brand new license so that they can look like they're a you know, new business with a sparkling, clean bill of health when, in fact, they've had massive animal welfare problems. That would be very, very good. The rule would also require, if it is approved and it's still open for public comment through June 5th, it would require an annual hands-on veterinary exam for every dog. And lastly, they're going to require continuous access to water as opposed to just making them put out a little water twice a day. You know, it doesn't sound like these guys are like the cartels where they're just one step ahead of the of the law. Horrible. I mean, they don't. The dogs don't even have fresh water all day. You know, what's wrong with the U.S.? I mean, they are are they like are funds being cut? Do they have less inspectors, or, or are I, they doing more now? I mean, do they? I mean, the funny thing is, like the status of the dog and the family in the last twenty years, you know, is on the couch watching TV, sharing ice cream with you, whether that's not healthy or not. But you know, it's like they've taken like steps backwards. You really hit on a key point there. Most people see dogs as members of the family. These commercial dog breeding operations, which are often associated with puppy mills, see dogs as agriculture commodities. And that difference in view leads to very different results in the standards of care. Meanwhile, over at the USDA, you have 
a lot of people in high-level positions that are of this big agriculture mindset. And that's how they view things. They see these breeding dogs as being like, you know, livestock. And so as a result, they don't get the care they deserve. So how can our listeners help? What can they do? Well, right now, one of the most important things is that we get the USDA to approve this rule and maybe even add to it. We're urging the USDA to not just approve the rule they're considering, but to also stop these people from putting dogs in cages stacked on top of one another with wire flooring they live on their entire lives and to require more room for the dogs to move. Now, if people want to comment on this, the Humane Society of the United States Stop Puppy Mills campaign has a Facebook page. And on that Facebook page, there's a link where people can go comment directly on a form that the USDA has set up so they can hear from the general public. Now, just to be clear, you might find this on the primary Humane Society of the United States Facebook page, but it's going to be easier to find on our Stop Puppy Mills campaign Facebook page. So okay. a few more words to type in there, but it'll take you right to a form where you can say to the USDA, approve this rule and go farther. The dogs deserve better. Okay. Okay. Great. That's great information. Well, John, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks. That was fun. Well, if you want to stay with us a little later in the show, Dr. Fleck and I are talking about the hero dog that saved the life of a newborn in the global pet news segment of the show. But up next in segment two, we're going to talk about what to do if your dog or cat gets hit by a car. Stay tuned for Flex Facts. You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We love to communicate with you via social media. Use The Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and our buzzworthy freebies, visit us at thepetbuzz.com. When your doctor recommended omega fatty acids as a daily supplement, he told you that they promoted better heart, brain, skin, joint, and immune system health. Well, doesn't it make sense for your pet to have the same health benefits? EpiPet Whole Fish Treat, an all-natural smoked fish supplement, is 100% bioavailable, bringing your pets the nutrients they need to keep them healthy and happy. To order better pet health for your dog or cat, visit www.epi-pet.com. How often should you bathe your pet? Well, I'm pet trendologist Charlotte Reed, and I'm asked that question often. How often you should wash your dog depends on a number of factors, including his health, breed, coat, and activity level, as well as where these activities are taking place. Dogs who spend days outside rolling and things are going to need a bath far more often than the ones who spend most of their time on the couch. Or you can always take the smell test. If your dog walks into the room and you can smell them, it's time for a bath. Make sure when it's time for a bath, you gather up all the supplies, including a non-slip mat and plenty of towels. Use shampoo formulated for dogs and turn your cell phone off to avoid distraction. And if you have a dog that hates getting a bath, smear some peanut butter on the bathtub wall and let him lick it off while you bathe him. Then he'll know bathing can really be a treat. 
Well, welcome back and thank you for joining the Pet Buzz. This show is hosted by the Dynamic Pet Duo. I'm pet trendologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. I don't know if you heard, but on May 14th, Grumpy Cat died at the age of seven due to complications from urinary tract infection. Very typical among cats, right, Dr. Fleck? Unfortunately, it is. Well, Grumpy Cat, whose real name is Tartar Sauce, was known for his small size, which actually was caused by feline dwarfism and her unpleasant or grumpy facial expression caused by an underbite. While the feline celebrity had nearly 2.5 million followers on Instagram at the time of her death, and was known for her media appearances on shows like Good Morning America, CBS Evening News, American Idol, and others. Now, she even signed books at BEA. Uh, she was an official spokescat for Friskies. Well, what we have to say is rest in peace and Godspeed, grumpy cat. And now for our favorite news section of the show, Flex Facts. Welcome to Just the Facts. Just the Facts. Or fiction. Just the facts, ma'am. Your challenge is to separate what is true, what is true from what is false. It's going to take long. You got the time. So today we're going to talk to Dr. Fleck about what to do if your pet gets hit by a car. So Dr. Fleck, is it true that while you were working this Sunday at your discount clinic, a couple came into the clinic within minutes of their pets getting hit by a car? Unfortunate experience and unfortunate for us that we didn't get a chance to work on it because it was a DOA. Oh, how horrible. It was horrible. Okay, so tell us, what's the first thing you must do if your dog gets hit by a car? It's probably the most devastating and traumatic experience that you'll ever experience. So knowing what you can do to help your pet literally means the difference between life and death. Oh, I bet. So I know it's hard, but for the safety of yourself and for the pet's life and well-being, be as calm as you can. Okay. There's two things I think that are really important. Number one, if it's an accident scene, you got to be concerned first about yourself and other humans. Uh huh. And then we have to worry about stabilizing and preparing the pet for mobile movement to the hospital. Okay. The pet hospital. Yeah, that makes sense. But what if it's a really busy roadway or something like that? That's what you have to be concerned about. That's one of the things that you have to be concerned about. And, and if there's a, another family member, or if there's a friend that's there, maybe that person can also help you in this and let them help you while you deal with the anxiety that you're dealing I with. I would think you would. it might be smart to call 911 because, you know, sometimes people leave the windows open and pets jump out of the window. And I've seen that actually happen on a highway. Yeah, but we're, we're concerned about the traffic on the highway. Right. And people and other... Trying to cross the highway and... And, right. and they're being injured too. Okay. So now what's next? Okay. So then... The other person or yourself, but probably the other person mm-hmm. with you if you have one, have them call your vet, which means that you need to have your vet on speed dial. Right. In your cell phone, right? In your cell phone. And or, also, I would put the emergency veterinary services uh-huh. in your cell phone. So if they're there, you can just tell the person, I've got it on speed phone. Look under vet. Look under vet. Or maybe also have those numbers in your car in a first aid kit. So if you can call them ahead, it's just mm-hmm. like the ambulance with the humans when they call the, mm-hmm. the hospital. At least the emergency is uh, room is ready for those traumatic victims that are coming okay. in. And that includes a 24-hour 7 hospital, right? That definitely includes that. And probably most of the time it's during the time when there's hospital, the regular hospitals aren't open. Well, if you've just joined us, we're talking with Dr. Fleck of the Animal Medical Center and the pet vet at the Red Barn in Bradenton, Florida, about what to do if your dog 
gets hit by a car. So how do you handle the injuries and the pain, Dr. Well, quite frankly, you know, if they're injured and they're in pain, they strike out by trying to bite. Okay. okay. That makes sense. Different, differently than people. People might want to swing at you if they, they can. And also, quite frankly, it's probably a better situation long term if they're having pain and do want to strike out at you versus if they're in shock and not moving at all. Right. And have a lot of hemorrhage or so. Okay. So how do you move your pet? Okay. So this is always difficult, but if you, and this is why we always carry a blanket in our car mm-hmm. because you want to make some sort of a sling that you can move the dog and carry it, hopefully with another person helping you if right. it's a bigger dog. Like a stretcher. Yep. Mm-hmm. Making it like a stretcher. And then you put it into your car and then move quickly, as quickly as you can within the safety of traffic to the veterinary hospital. Now, sometimes I know people try to uh, use a bandana or a scarf and make a muzzle. So that way the dog won't bite them. But like some pets, like we talked about earlier today, you can't make that muzzle because they have a snub nose. Well, you and I had a little discussion before this. I'm not necessarily in in favor of having muzzles put on. Okay. This. I would prefer to just, if the, if they're not attacking you, if you can leave a muzzle off, okay. just leave the face alone because it can be breathing problems, et cetera. Right. So put the blanket over their head. If Absolutely. Possible. That's okay. a great way of doing it. Then. Okay. Just so I know, because, you know, you're thinking about transporting. What are some of the common injuries that you're going to have from the car accident? Well, if you think it's trauma and you think that, that it's a big blunt trauma, uh-huh. that means that there's a potential of fractured bones. But we want to be more concerned about the vital areas of the body, the chest, the heart, right, the internal organs. Right. Now, I know care. a lot of people try to do pet first aid uh, on the scene. Wonderful thing. Uh, but it's really, you know, a lot of times it's difficult to learn that at the last minute. So what do you recommend if people want to learn that? Hey, in, in every community, there's pet first aid classes. Okay. Let's go to them. Yeah, I mean, I think so. And then, you know, or if you have a first aid book, read it in advance so that you're prepared. Also, the Red Cross has a pet app on the phone. So look at that before, you know, don't try to be trying to figuring it out on the scene. So quickly moving along, once the, the, the pet, the injured pet is with the veterinarian and mm-hmm. their staff. That, what can you expect? Well, what they want to do is they, they first of all want to make sure about vitality mm-hmm. of the individual. And they want to know if it's going to go into shock. And they, so they'll probably administer medications that prevent that first. Then they can see more about the severity of the other injuries. Right. And, you know, then, then there's the support mechanism. There's usually IVs that are set up. There's other medications X-rays. that are just like with people. There's right. standard procedures. It's like that the emergency room for people. Just like the, wow. the emergency room for people. So then. Once the pet is stabilized, then one of the staff members or the doctor will come out and start visiting with the pet owners right? and try to relieve them of the anxiety that they have, hopefully with news that is favorable for the longevity of the pet. But there's another part of it that can be a problem, like- and that is that once once the realization hits, we're taking care of the pet. Now we got the financial part of it. That we oh, have to no. And yeah. that can be so expensive. That can be. So I, I know the studies that we've seen reported that mm-hmm. most people don't have even $500 extra for the. And of course, you could be talking about several hundred or several thousand, thousand dollars in just the care of this. So, uh, that's the, that's the after. Shock for the, for the I know, pet owner. I know. After they recognize that their pet can, can survive. So then the discussions will ensue as to what to do as we go forward. And something to think of now when we have this catastrophic pet insurance. 
It's not that expensive. Well, Dr. Fleck, for another great segment of Flex Facts, for more information, visit PetVetRB.com. Well, up next, we're going to talk about seasonal pet allergies. Does your dog have itchy skin, maybe runny eyes? Is he sneezing and licking his paws? Our expert will join us next and tell us how we should deal with that. Stay tuned. Sure, I'm a little rough and tough. Somebody's got to me. I like the outdoors. Camping, boating, riding in your truck with my head out the window. Yeah, I'll poop outside. Doesn't everyone? A person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. I'm pet expert Charlotte Reed, and I want to remind you how important it is to protect your pet against fleas, ticks, and mosquitoes with preventative tablets and topicals. By giving your dogs and cats preventative meds throughout the year, you are protecting your pet from Lyme disease, heartworm, flea allergies, worms, and more, causing unwanted and costly vet bills. Most importantly, these parasites can infiltrate your home, causing you and your family's health to be compromised. Remember, healthy pets healthy you. Warmer temperatures mean more time outside. You have sunscreen for yourself, but what about Fido? According to the American Animal Hospital Association and the American College of Veterinary Dermatology, pets need sunscreen too. Use EpiPet Sun Protector, the only FDA-approved pet sunscreen on short-haired, light-colored, hairless, golden retrievers, and other dogs susceptible to skin cancer. Contained in a sports bottle, EpiPet allows you to turn the bottle upside down, making it easier to spray your dog all over to protect your dog from the sun all day and every day. Visit epi-pet.com. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Buzz, the best in pet talk radio. I'm petrondologist Charlotte Reed. So I have to start out this segment with telling you I have an alike for this week. As you know, many of you know, I travel a lot and I always like to find cool travel products. I want to talk about my pet pail this week, which was one of the best in show winners at Global Pet Expo 2019. Well, it's no surprise because my pet pail, which looks like a lunch pail, contains everything you need to take a day trip with your pooch. There are containers for food, water, even poop bags. And the top pops off the pail and becomes a bona fide feeding station. The greatest part is it comes in six colors. FYI, mypetpail.com. So let's start off with our next guest because I understand that she's on the phone. Well, did you know that dogs and cats just like humans can have allergies? The most common types of things that trigger allergies in pets are food, flea bites, and exposure to environmental allergens like pollen. That's right. The same types of environmental allergens that trigger reaction in people can also irritate your dog or cat, including dander, grasses, weeds, trees, insects, pollen, and even mold. So if you're struggling Struggling with seasonal allergies, your pet might too. Well, joining us today is veterinarian Tamisha Hubbard, who serves as the president of the Tuskegee Veterinary Medical Association. Dr. Hubbard sees patients at her privately owned referral-based veterinary dermatology practice, the Alabama Veterinary Allergy and Dermatology Service in Homewood, Alabama. She also operates a satellite veterinary dermatology practice in Huntsville, Alabama, at 
animal emergency and critical care. Dr. Hubbard is currently an assistant clinical professor of veterinary dermatology at the Tuskegee University College of Veterinary Medicine. Thank you so much for appearing on the Pet Buzz, Dr. Hubbard. Thanks for having me, Charlotte. So, Dr. Hubbard, what are allergies and how do seasonal allergies differ from that of other types of pet allergies? Well, allergies are basically an adverse reaction to something either in the environment, something in the pet's food. It could be a parasite that could cause the allergic reaction. But when we're specifically talking about seasonal allergies or atopy is what we refer to it as, it is a genetically predisposed allergic disease. So it Mm. causes inflammation and itching of the skin of dogs and cats. Now, so how do you know if your pet has seasonal allergies? And is it true that you can't cure seasonal allergies of a pet, but instead try to kind of manage them as best as possible and efficiently as possible? So the way I normally determine whether or not a pet has seasonal allergies is by the clinical signs that they're showing and the history that I collect from the owner. So if the owner pet has a history of every spring or every April or May, they start to itch or scratch or have skin disease, then that's an indication that the pet has seasonal allergies. So it tends to happen around the same time every year, okay? So we want to basically take into consideration the clinical signs that the pet is showing. So if it's itching, scratching, biting every year around the same time, then we're definitely dealing with seasonal allergies. Now, but can you ever cure them or is it, or can you just hope to strive to just maintain them as best as possible, make the pet comfortable, since you said it was a disease? So there is one actual type of therapy that we consider a cure, and that is allergen-specific immunotherapy or sublingual immunotherapy. And what we tend to achieve with that therapy is we give them injections or a liquid drop by mouth, We want to retrain the pet's immune system so that they will start to produce antibodies against the things in the environment that they are allergic to. Now, a lot of the treatments that we use are not a cure for these allergies, but the allergen-specific immunotherapy or sublingual immunotherapy, we do consider those as possible cures of allergies. That's why we need you. So we need someone to explain all those fancy terms. Well, if you've just joined us, we're talking to veterinary dermatologist, Dr. Tamisha Hubbard, owner of Alabama Veterinary Allergy and Dermatology Service. And she is also an assistant clinical professor of veterinary dermatology at the Tuskegee University College of Veterinary Medicine. Once again, we're so glad that you're here. So our next question, it's pretty simple. Are there some breeds of dogs that seem to have more seasonal allergies than others? Oh, yeah, for sure. So we tend to see a lot of Labrador retrievers, golden retrievers. We'll see pugs and Boston terriers. Um, We can see Maltese and Shizus. So there's a range of large animal, medium-sized animals, and smaller animals that we see on a regular basis. So Dotsons is one of those breeds that we'll see um, on a regular basis as well. So for sure, there are certain breeds that are genetically predisposed to atopy or seasonal allergies. So it's basically passed down to them from their parents. 
So as offspring, they pick up these genetic predispositions for seasonal allergies. Here, sidebar question for you. So I guess it would maybe be a good idea to get your dog DNA tested. I don't think the DNA test would actually show you whether or not they will have allergies per se, Mm -hmm. um, but it may help you determine what breed they fit into. And if they are one of those breeds we just talked about, then there is the possibility that they could be alert, have an allergic predisposition. Yeah, because we just recently interviewed Adam Boyko from Cornell and hit, you know, he's the Boyko lab up there. And they were uh-huh. talking about they've isolated a gene that shows if your dog is predisposed to shedding. So that's why I asked the question. Okay, so we have so many people who listen to the show who have cats. So what about cats? Uh, cats who spend more time outside, do they get seasonal allergies more than, I guess you could say, strictly indoor cats? Well, I would say if a cat is exposed to the outdoors more often, it can be a trigger for the seasonal allergies. So if they're inhaling a lot of different pollens like grass pollens or tree pollens, that could potentially cause their allergies to flare up because they're being exposed to those allergens. But like I said previously, most of it is genetic predisposition. So that predisposition for allergies is passed down to them from their parents. Is it expensive to treat our animals, especially, you know, dogs and cats who have allergies? Well, it can be relatively expensive. So once we've confirmed the diagnosis of atopy or seasonal allergies, then we want to identify what allergens cause a problem for that particular dog or cat. So we do recommend having intradermal skin testing done or a blood allergy test done to identify what things actually cause that pet a problem. Mm -hmm. So you're looking at, in my practice, about $400 to have an intradermal skin test done. And the blood test may run a little bit less expensive, maybe about $350. And if we identify 12 or more allergens that have a positive reaction on that test, we're going to recommend starting those pets on that allergen-specific immunotherapy I talked about earlier or the sublingual immunotherapy. Well, I think this is really, really helpful, you know, information and advice. And we're so glad that you were able to join us today. You are so very welcome. Thank you. Well, that was veterinary Dr. Tamisha Hubbard of the Alabama Veterinary Allergy and Dermatology Service. She's an assistant clinical professor of veterinary dermatology at Tuskegee University College of Veterinary Medicine. She was here discussing pet allergies, and you can find her at alabamapetderm.com. Well, what's next? When we come back, we're going to fill you in on Pet Buzz Global News and how to deal with preparing your pets for a tornado. Stay tuned. This is really important information for this time of the year. You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We would love to communicate with you via social media. Use the Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and buzzworthy freebies, visit us at thepetbuzz.com. 
I want to be a contender. I want a warm belly to sleep on. A big house. How do I look? Do, do I look good? I want to play hard. My nails done once a month. I want. I want. I want a home. I just want a home. I want someone to love. Last year, more than 30,000 companion animals came to us without homes. 20,000 of them were felines. Let's make some homes together. A person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. Warmer temperatures mean more time outside. You have sunscreen for yourself, but what about Fido? According to the American Animal Hospital Association and the American College of Veterinary Dermatology, pets need sunscreen too. Use EpiPet Sun Protector, the only FDA-approved pet sunscreen on short-haired, light-colored, hairless, golden retrievers, and other dogs susceptible to skin cancer. Contained in a sports bottle, EpiPet allows you to turn the bottle upside down, making it easier to spray your dog all over to protect your dog from the sun all day and every day. Visit epi-pet.com. Hey, I'm petrondologist Charlotte Reed, and research shows walking at least a half an hour every day can reduce a person's risk for heart disease and other serious illnesses. So regular walking is a great way to live a long and happy life. For most dogs, an hour of physical activity each day is necessary and will help them lead healthier lives free of disease. Walking a dog does not only have a physical benefit, there are plenty of psychological benefits for both the dog and the owner. There are so many smells, sights, and sounds in the outdoors that a dog is mentally stimulated every time he or she walks out the front door. Taking a dog on a walk will also help to solidify the strong bond between you and your animal. Give your dog some positive attention by doing what he or she loves. Take your dog out for a neighborhood walk today. I'm pet Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. Here at the Pet Buzz, we're urban. Suburban. And, and country. country. And special shout out and a big, actually, hello to WFJX in Roanoke, Virginia and KMOJ, Minneapolis. Our two newest Our affiliates. Our two newest affiliates. Thank you we're- for joining us. And now, Pet Buzz news from around the globe. Well, I want to tell everyone, this dog's a hero. A dog named Ping Pong is being hailed as a hero in Thailand for helping save the life of a newborn infant after the infant's 15-year-old mother tried to hide the birth by burying the boy alive. What a story this is. Ping Pong, who's only has three working legs, was seen scratching at some dirt alongside a farmer's field in Koret. That's located in the northeastern part of the Asian country last week. Well, Ping Pong's owner, Usa Nisakaka, went to check out the commotion and found, believe it or not, an infant's leg poking out of the dirt where the dog was scratching. The dog's owner frantically dug up the less than six-pound baby and took him to the hospital where doctors said, the infant hadn't suffered any serious injuries. 
Thank goodness. So Mikasa said that he had ping pong since he was born and that the dog has always been very loyal and obedient. It seems that when the dog was younger, he was hit by a car and his back legs were injured. He can't use the leg, but he still helps around the farm herding cows. Now everyone in the village is amazed from ping pong's actions and they say he's a hero because he saved the life of a baby. Incredible. A baby buried and still alive. So Absolutely. a day after that incredible rescue, police arrested the teenage mother for attempted murder. Mm-hmm. She allegedly told police she was trying to hide the birth because she was afraid her parents would be angry at her. So if you want more pet news, we post breaking pet news on our Pet Buzz social media channels daily, mm-hmm. like our the Pet Buzz Twitter feed and Facebook pages. And we post all day long. All day long. So you can find out whatever's happening, not only locally, not only in the U.S., but around the world. Okay, so let's talk about news in the United States. I can't believe this, okay? As many as 67 tornadoes were reported last Friday to Sunday in Texas, Oklahoma, Louisiana, Kansas, and Nebraska. Devastating. I mean, unbelievable. So how do you prep your pet for this type of extreme weather difficultly well author uh, edie mckenzie is going to tell us mm-hmm. edie mckenzie is a published author traveler dog lover and tortoise enthusiast mm-hmm. passionate about what she does her books provide people a firm grounding in the dog breeds she writes about such as golden doodles and labradoodles so edie welcome to the pet buzz Thank you, Dr. Flack. Very nice to meet you. Oh, it's great to meet you, and we really look forward to this interview. So, Edie, how can pet owners prepare for a tornado? Well, I think the biggest thing, though, that people need to know is that they need to find and and designate an interior room on the lowest level of their house. And this room can have no windows and no outside walls. That makes sense. Okay, well, you know, let's talk a little bit about animals. Can they sense that tornadoes are coming? I don't know that they can sense that it's a tornado, but they can certainly sense when bad weather is approaching. They're more tuned into nature than we are. But also I think things Absolutely. like the barometric pressure dropping will alert them, yep. as well as the the air being electrified. Because our studios Absolutely. are based south of Tampa, which is one of the most electrifying because we get a lot of those thunderstorms. <laughs> so we've really kind yes, of spent a lot of time studying that and seeing the difference in our pets. Yes, we had our dog Wally and he knew. He could hear and feel things before the rest of us could. He was very tuned to what was happening in the atmosphere. So I, I agree. 100%. Yeah. Okay. So people out there wondering specifically, how can you prepare your pet for this disaster? When we go under a tornado watch here, we make sure that the shelter area is cleared out so there's space for critters and humans. We get their collars on. We make sure that we have GPS trackers on our dog's collars, and we make sure that those are charged. We have the leashes at the ready. We have treats both in the shelter and at hand outside the shelter. And I recommend if somebody has a cat, this is a really good time to wrangle it into its carrier so you're not trying to locate it, you know, when a tornado is actually bearing down on you. And then also, too, if the weather is indicating that it's going to be a long training system, you're going to want to add pet food and extra water into the shelter with you. So I wondered, Um, wondered, do the cats show more anxiety than than the dogs? 
I've never owned a cat, but I know from friends that do that they tend to hide. And mm-hmm. as an owner, you know where their hiding place is, but I also know that they're very, they can be very resistant to going into a carrier. So a carrier is great, but a carrier is small. So what, it depends on the size of your space. But one of the things that I'm a big proponent of is sturdy pet shelters. They're pop-up shelters. Now we have a double shelter. So what's good about that is it's longer and the cat can relax on one side with and food. And then there's a hammock side on the other side. You can buy the accessories depending on how much you want to trick it out. But on that side, you can put the litter box. Dr. Fleck and I had to drive from New York once down to Florida with the cats and the dogs. And that's how we contain the cat. And that way the cat and if we were pulling over, this is the big joke. Ever, almost every time we pulled over, it's because a cat went to the bathroom and we needed to get the <laughs> get the smell out of the car. Well, let me just say this: if you're just joining us, we're talking with Edie McKenzie about how she prepped her pets for tornadoes. So, and and this, like I said, this is a really reason I had you on because I thought this was a brilliant idea. So, can you tell us what you did specifically to get your pets prepared for the tornado? When we moved from Massachusetts to Minnesota, we began training our dogs to go into the downstairs, the lower level bathroom in our home up in Minnesota. So when the siren sounds, there, it's a really unusual sound and our dogs all always came alert, like a little group of meerkats. Their heads all came up and, you know, mm-hmm. they were looking around to see what was going on. We capitalized on that attention and we lured them into the lower level bathroom with the command, which was bathroom, and a very high-value treat. We use freeze-dried liver, which we call puppy crack. Mm-hmm. We didn't do anything for that. You only used that treat when it was time, right? Correct. Okay. We- we're going to let you go because we, we're really short on time. But you know what's really interesting, Dr. Fleck? I mean, you ha- it just goes to show you that you have to practice if you live in these mm-hmm. areas with bad extreme weather conditions, and especially since the weather seems to be getting worse. We sure do. And I, I guess one of the things about a tornado versus a hurricane, it's over quickly, isn't it? It is. So, Edie, thank you so much for joining us today. You are very welcome. Well, you can learn more about Edie McKenzie and her books at EdieMcKenzie.com. That's the bell signifying it's time to wrap up the show. But before we go, we want to thank you and give you a preview for next week's show. Well, next week, we're going to talk to you about a new tool to help you and your feline diabetic. You know, the eyes are referred to the windows of the soul, so you need to maintain them. You need to have healthy canine eyes. We have an ophthalmologist who's going to tell us what to do to care for our pet's eyes and how to recognize signs of disease. And also joining us next week is a real treat. We have Bravo's Real Housewife of New York, Sexy Sonia Morgan. Hot dog. And we always want to thank our sponsors, the Animal Medical Center of Bradenton and EpiPet, making better skin coat and ear care products for healthier pets everywhere. And if you have a question, write us at team at thepetbuzz.com. And just so you know, you can follow along on our social media channels as the show airs. And if you've missed any portion of this show, visit our social media channels and listen to the linked podcast. Most importantly, remember, we're here each week to help you take better care of your pets. Peace out and pet love. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Pet Buzz. 
The Pet Buzz is hosted by the dynamic pet duo, pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. Tune in each week for the latest 411 on everything pet related. Visit our website at www.thepetbuzz.com. Learn more about us, the show, and our guests. When your doctor recommended omega fatty acids as a daily supplement, he told you that they promoted better heart, brain, skin, joint, and immune system health. Well, doesn't it make sense for your pet to have the same health benefits? EpiPet Whole Fish Treat, an all-natural smoked fish supplement, is 100% bioavailable, bringing your pets the nutrients they need to keep them healthy and happy. To order better pet health for your dog or cat, visit www.epi-pet.com. Hi, I'm Brad Garrett. In 2007, the investigation of the Humane Society of the United States exposed the link between pet stores and puppy mills. Large puppy mill operations were busted in Maine, Oklahoma, Texas, and Virginia. Bottom line, puppy mills are cruel and their puppies are often sick. So do yourself a favor and go to your local shelter for your next dog. You'll get an inoculated, already fixed dog for almost nothing. So you'll not only save some money, but you'll also save a life.